Chapter Five of All in the Day's Work by Ida Tarbell. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. A fresh start, a second retreat. It was the custom of the Tarbell household to do its part in entertaining the Methodist ministers and presiding elders who periodically filled the pulpit of our church. In the winter after my return from the Poland venture, we had a guest, an important local personage, Dr. Theodore L. Flood a preacher who had retired from active ministry to take the editorship of a magazine called the chautauquan published in the town thirty miles from titusville where i had so recently spent four years meadville the home of allegheny college on this visit dr flood asked me to help him out for a month or two in a new department in his magazine i was quick to accept glad to be useful for i had grown up with what was called the chautauqua movement indeed it had been almost as much a part of my life as the oil business and in its way it was as typically american if we had a truer measure for values we would count it more important this chautauqua movement had grown out of a methodist camp meeting held annually at fair point on the pleasant lake which in my childhood had been the terminus of our most ambitious all-day excursions the president of this association by eighteen seventy was a man justly respected in all that part of the world for his good deeds as well as his business acumen lewis miller a manufacturer of akron ohio mr miller was to be known nationally as the father-in-law of thomas edison but old-time chautauquans put it the other way edison is lewis miller's son-in-law that was enough recommendation for edison in their minds lewis miller's interest in chautauqua went beyond the annual camp meeting he saw the opportunity to build up there a summer home where parents could give their children healthy out-of-door amusement protection from the evil ways of the unregenerate and sound modern instruction in the bible sympathy with this program induced a half-dozen families in the titusville methodist church to join in the purchase of a lot on the outskirts of the grounds and start a titusville settlement a cottage with a mess hall and a few rooms tents serving as sleeping quarters for extras father joined the colony soon after we moved to titusville we had a tent and a flat-bottomed boat through the years i have been recalling the years in high school college as preceptress of poland union seminary part of all my summers had been spent at chautauqua Lewis Miller's laudable attempt to furnish attractive instruction in the Bible meant little or nothing to me at first. The flat-bottomed boat meant a great deal. But in 1874, something happened that dragged me away from the water. Lewis Miller had persuaded the most eminent advocate of the Sunday school in America, Dr., afterwards Bishop, John H. Vincent, to select Fairpoint as the home of a national interdenominational Sunday school institute, which he and those who saw with him had been for some time planning. The first session of this new organization was held in 1874 under the name of the Chautauqua Assembly. It was recognized at once as a revolution upsetting the old order. The most spectacular feature of the revolution was the Chautauqua platform making as it did stirring challenging contacts with current intellectual life there one heard the great speakers of the day on all sorts of subjects there fine concerts were given it was the scientific lectures which caught me 
particularly those of dr r ogden de Ramus of new york his platform experiments in which two skilful women assisted excited me as i had never been before but what aroused me most were certain demonstrations with a magnificent microscope which they were giving in a little building at one side nothing in the world seemed to matter to me so much as to be able to talk with these women to ask their advice about the work i was beginning with the little instrument bought with my own carefully saved money perhaps oh perhaps i dreamed they would let me look through the great beauty they handled so deftly focus it watch the life which went on in its field so one day i hung around after the talk was over slipped up to them steeled myself to tell them that i was going to be a microscopist begged them to give me a few lessons advise me the two ladies smiled down from their height so plainly showing they thought me a country child with a queer behavior complex quite impossible they said and turned back to their conference with dr Doremus abashed humiliated but luckily too angry to cry i made my way back to my flat-bottomed boat i would show them i resolved clenching my fists it was years before i attempted again to get from a chautauqua undertaking more than it was offering to the public at large there were many of these undertakings dr vincent saw to that a man better fitted by experience conviction and personality to persuade a half-asleep wholly satisfied community to accept a new order could not have been found in the america of the eighties john vincent was forty-two years old when he came to chautauqua handsome confident alert energetic radiating well-being and he was an orator and orating at chautauqua made men tolerant even of heresy he went about his business of organizing the work of the assembly with a skill which commanded the admiration of everybody even those hostile to the secularization of their beloved camp meeting as a platform manager i have never known his equal he had magnetism but he knew when and how to turn it on he was shrewd cunning pungent he pricked bubbles disciplined his audience the chautauqua audience came to be one of the best behaved out-of-door audiences in the country the fact that we were out of doors had persuaded us that we were free to leave meetings if we were bored or suddenly remembered that we had left bread in the oven or that the baby must have wakened when the performance had been stopped once or twice to give that lady a chance to go out without further disturbing the speaker we learned to stay at home or to sit out the lecture there is only one word to describe what lewis miller and dr vincent now did to chautauqua and that is electrification the community was made up mainly of hard-working men and women who wanted a vacation in surroundings where they would not have to worry about the children certainly if high fences with gates through which you could not pass in or out after ten p m never pass without your ticket and not even with one on sundays if watchful guards and ten o'clock curfew if a mass public opinion on the part of elders in support of these restrictions could have suppressed all the mischief and lawlessness in the youth which swarmed chautauqua parents were right in sleeping tranquilly as a matter of fact i never knew of any serious offences though there probably were many which i was still too much of a little girl to recognize 
the worst mischief in which i personally assisted was playing tag up and down the relief model of palestine which skirted the lake as palestine does the mediterranean it was spotted with plaster of paris models of towns from damascus to bethsaida i remember one rule of our game was that you could not be tagged if you straddled jerusalem the most serious vandalism of which i knew and in which i had no part was stealing damascus or nazareth or tyre and carrying it away bodily dr vincent did not change the restrictions but he made them more endurable by the fresh interest he put into our lives his effect on the community physically was immediate it began to grow the sound of the hammers nailing together the for the most part flimsy cottages was never still the result was very like what mark twain found in the summer colony of Antiora and the catskills in its first year the partition so thin you can hear the women changing their minds housekeeping improved it had been as sketchy as the cottages picnic housekeeping you saw them at it out in the rear of their cottages over an old wood stove or stone fireplace the men in their shirt-sleeves the women in big aprons if not wrappers planks on sawhorses for tables mats we had not learned to say doilies yet benches for seats the natural practice of bringing discarded furniture from home to furnish the cottages led to the only distinctive piece of chautauqua furniture i recall a long high-backed bench made from an old-fashioned four-post bedstead there were few garrets in all the country about chautauqua that did not harbor one or more such bedsteads they had been hidden away when families could afford the new-styled quartered oak or walnut bedroom suites some ingenious mind had seen that by shortening the side pieces of a four-poster to seat width using the headboard for a back you had a commodious and with cushions a comfortable seat even couch they were scattered all over the place with the coming of dr vincent chautauqua rapidly developed a promenade along the south end of the lake front cottages here were lathed and plastered had wicker chairs on their verandas and the residents soon were taking their meals at the really stately athenium hotel it was in this front row that dr and mrs vincent came to live in a tent a tent de luxe with a real house so it looked to us behind it sometimes when we were properly dressed and shod we walked past the hotel and the cottages housing our aristocrats and if by chance we saw dr or mrs vincent or best of all the vincent's little boy george we later learned his name to be why then we boasted of it at the supper-table as one might say to-day i saw president roosevelt mrs roosevelt sisti buzzy dr vincent kept the place on its toes not only by the steady improvement of its platform its amusements and the quality of the people who came to teach and preach but by the steady flow of new undertakings he planned incessantly to stir not only our souls but our minds we came to expect new ideas at each successive session and were never disappointed if sometimes a little bewildered behind all these various undertakings was the steadying hand of lewis miller the silent partner who had begun by spying out the land establishing a community laying the foundations for the institution as it exists to-day a centre of democratic christian culture 
dr vincent's masterpiece as i always thought came in eighteen seventy eight when he laid before his chautauquans a plan which had long been simmering in his never quiet mind he did this in the finest of what we call inspirational talks that i ever heard at least it stirred me so deeply that i have never forgotten the face of the orator nor more important the upturned faces of his hearers he announced a scheme for a four-year course of home reading under the direction of the chautauqua management adapted to men and women who had missed a college education but who felt a deep desire for knowledge and were willing to adopt any practical plan which would give them a college outlook it was to be called the chautauqua literary and scientific circle now this does not sound exciting but as a matter of fact it was deeply exciting for the speaker was pouring out his heart he had never had a college education he had never ceased to feel the lack of what he believed it would have given him he had struggled to make up for his loss by persistent systematic daily reading and study establishing the habit as a boy he had never abandoned it it had given him deep satisfaction supplied he thought the college outlook he believed there were thousands of men and women in the united states scores possibly hundreds in his audience who had been forced as he had been to sacrifice their early ambitions for education they had hidden the hunger in their hearts where at times it still gnawed he was offering them the same help he had found and confidently glowingly he outlined the course of home reading which dr john h finley has so aptly named the american adult education pioneer the uplifted faces all about me told the story particularly the faces of the women of thirty or more women of that generation had had their natural desire for knowledge intensified by the woman's rights movement in which the strongest plank had been a demand for the opportunity for higher education these women were now beyond the day when they could go to college but here was something which they saw intuitively was practical the immediacy of their response was in a degree accounted for by their devotion to dr vincent i suppose most of the women who frequented chautauqua were more or less in love with him the worship a man of overflowing sentiment receives from the benches but most of his audience would have preferred to die rather than reveal their secret passion well it was a great emotional experience with large and immediate practical results for before the summer session was over eight thousand people had joined the chautauqua literary and scientific circle they had joined and they were buying the books chosen the most important volume in that first year's course was green's short history of the english people in my judgment the most important book save one that the chautauqua literary and scientific circle ever included that exception being w c brownell's french traits the sudden demand for so large and expensive a volume as green's history outside of regular trade channels followed as it was by the spectacular sales of other books from which neither publisher nor writer had expected anything out of the normal set the whole publishing world agog and naturally raised the question how are we to get in on this new market there were many approaches all legitimate enough so far as i know 
i found a rather amusing proof of one not long ago in marjorie wiggin prescott's fine collection of manuscripts and rare books a volume of lew wallace's ben hur enriched by a letter to the publisher signed by mrs wallace and dated november twenty fourth eighteen eighty four the letter which is self-explanatory is reproduced here with mrs prescott's permission crawfordsville november twenty fourth eighteen eighty four dear sir because of inquiries of correspondence as to the number of wives general wallace has had i have thought best to instruct you to add to the dedication of ben hur making it to the wife of my youth who still abides with me this with general wallace's consent several literary clubs have made it a handbook for study in connection with roman history if by some means you could have it adopted by the chautauqua club which numbers twenty thousand members it might be worth while to try pardon the suggestion may i ask you to furnish me a report of the sales of ben hur year by year from the beginning with high regard very truly yours susan e wallace as the chautauqua literary and scientific circle grew there came increasing necessity of a steady sympathetic administration to help in this task it was decided in eighteen eighty to establish a monthly organ the chautauquan it was to be called in which portions of the required readings could be published more cheaply than in book form and through which by counsel and suggestions the leaders could keep in closer touch with the readers better meet their needs dr vincent was quick to sense the weak places in the organization and ingenious in devising ways to take care of them it was to try out one of his devices that dr flood was now asking my temporary help here was the situation that had been uncovered hundreds of those who had joined the great circle and bought its books were without dictionaries encyclopedias explanatory helps of any kind and they lived too far away on the plains in the mountains on distant farms to reach libraries headquarters were inundated with questions how do you pronounce this word translate this phrase who was this man this woman what does this or that mean could not the chautauquan take care of this difficulty suggested dr vincent by annotating the portions of the various texts to be read in that particular month let someone try it out as i happened to be the someone within reach when dr flood received the suggestion the attempt was put up to me temporary trial i was made to understand now i had known from childhood homes and towns where there were practically no books beyond the bible and children's spellers as books had always come after bread in our household i naturally pitied those who did not have them so i undertook the notes with the determination to make them as helpful as i could to my surprise and delight dr vincent sent word to me that i had caught his idea and that he had advised dr flood to ask me to prepare similar notes each month will you do it asked dr flood i jumped at the chance calculating that it would not take over two weeks of my month give me pin money and leave time for the microscope that my future was in it i did not dream but my task required better equipped libraries than titusville offered meadville only thirty miles away headquarters for the chautauquan had them and so i arranged to do my work there remaining until i had read the proofs 
an exacting job which never ceased to worry me what if the accent was in the wrong place what if i brought somebody into the world in the wrong year something of the kind happened occasionally and when it did i quickly discovered that while there might be many chautauqua readers who did not have books of reference there were more that did and knew how to use them once in touch with the office of the chautauquan i began to see things to do dr flood had little interest in detail the magazine was made up in a casual and to my mind a disorderly fashion i could not keep my fingers off a woman is a natural executive that has been her business through the ages intuitively she picks up sets to rights establishes order i began at once to exercise my inheritance proved useful was offered a full-time job and threw myself heartily into an attempt to learn how to make up a magazine in the way i suspected a magazine should be made up when the long-suffering foreman of the printing office discovered i was in earnest he undertook my education taught me the vocabulary the only galley i had heard of up to that time was a war vessel of the middle ages suggested dummies and offered a model he installed a proper respect for the dates on which copy was to be in and forms closed showed me the importance of clean copy by compelling me to see with my own eyes the time it took to make a correction trained me until i could stand over the closing of the last form and direct the necessary changes to be made in order to make room for a three-line advertisement which had just arrived and which such as the need of the chautauquan for advertising must under no consideration be thrown out when i could do that nonchalantly i felt as if i had arrived and this training i owed to as fine a craftsman as there was in the trade at that time as well he was a courteous and patient gentleman adrian mccoy long the head of the press-room where the chautauquan was printed my willingness to take on loose ends soon brought to my desk much of the routine office correspondence letters to be answered by a more or less set form signed with dr flood's name and mailed without troubling him to read them in this grist were many letters from readers women chiefly who laid their troubles and hopes upon our shoulders confident of understanding and counsel dr flood's answers to such communications were courteous but formal probably he appreciated as i did not that there lay safety i felt strongly that such an appeal or confidence should have a personal sympathetic letter and i began producing them pouring out counsel and pity i shudder now to think of the ignorant sentiment i probably spilled but my career as a professional counsellor was checked suddenly by the unexpected result of a series of letters to a contributor this gentleman a foreign lecturer and teacher had been chilled by the lack of understanding by americans of his ideals and all of this he was expressing in letters to the office after our acceptance of one or two of his articles i was deeply touched by his outpourings and answered in kind of course signing my editor's name then one day dr flood received a letter saying that on such a day the gentleman would be in meadville he must see the one who so understood him and come he did poor dr flood did not know what it was all about but these letters the visitor exclaimed oh dr flood said 
miss tarbell wrote those we'll speak to her and so he was presented letters in hand dr flood looking sternly at me and leaving me to my fate did you write these letters the bewildered and disappointed stranger asked all i could say was yes i wrote them and dr flood never saw them no i said he never does i might have known it was a woman he groaned and fled and that was the last we ever saw or heard of him but it made a vast difference in my editorial correspondence i was not satisfied however with setting things to rights and counselling the unhappy having convinced my editor-in-chief that i could keep his house in better order than he had been interested in doing i became ambitious to contribute to its furnishing to extend its field beyond matters purely chautauquan i began by offering contributions to what was called the editor's table the editor's notebook i began to write articles even went off on trips to gather information on subjects which seemed to me to be fitting the first and most ambitious of these undertakings was an investigation made in the patent office in washington of the amount of inventing the record showed women to have done i had been disturbed for some time by what seemed to me the calculated belittling of the past achievements of women by many active in the campaign for suffrage they agreed with their opponents that women had shown little or no creative power that they argued was because man had purposely and jealously excluded her from his field of action the argument was intended of course to arouse women's indignation stir them to action it seemed to me rather to throw doubt on her creative capacity power to create breaks all barriers women had demonstrated this i believed again and again while carrying on what i as an observer of society was coming to regard as the most delicate complex and essential of all creative tasks the making of a home there was the field of invention at the moment it was being said in print and on the platform that in all the history of the patent office women had taken out only some three hundred patents i had seen so much of woman's ingenuity on the farm and in the kitchen that i questioned the figures and so i went to see feeling very important if scared at my rashness in daring to penetrate a government department and interview its head i was able to put my finger at once on over two thousand patents enough to convince me that man-made world or not if a woman had a good idea and the gumption to seek a patent she had the same chance as a man to get one this was confirmed by correspondence with two or three women who at the time were taking out patents regularly these dashes into journalism timid and factual as were the results gave my position more and more body began slowly to arouse my rudimentary capacity for self-expression at the same time my position was enriched by a novel feature of our undertaking one that any editor of a monthly journal can appreciate we published but ten issues suspending in july and august in order to get out on the grounds at chautauqua an eight-page newspaper the chautauqua assembly daily herald this meant moving our meadville staff bodily to the lake late in june i was soon contributing two columns of editorials a day to the herald 
comments on the daily doings of the assembly and making many stimulating acquaintances in doing it among them i valued particularly dr herbert b adams and dr richard t eli of johns hopkins university men who were stirring youth and shocking the elders by liberal interpretations of history and economics we felt rather proud of ourselves at chautauqua that we were liberal enough to engage dr adams and dr eli as regular lecturers and teachers and that our constituency accepted them if with occasional misgivings it was not only the faculty of johns hopkins which was adding to my friends one who remains to-day among those i most value came from its student body dr john h finley dr finley gave several summers to the assembly herald reading its copy and its proofs among other things it was he who read my two columns and no doubt kept me out of much trouble but once there did slip by him a misquotation over which he still chuckles when we talk of chautauqua days i made it a practice to head my first column with a digest of the day's happenings a line to an event and as a starter for the paragraph a quotation i had been rather pleased one day to select a line from james thompson the meek-eyed morn appears mother of dews a copy of the paper was always thrown on the veranda of my upstairs room around five o'clock in the morning and i hopped out of bed to see what had happened to my column that morning something dire had happened for my quotation ran the weak-eyed worm appears mother of dews eminence came from across the water annually and gave colour and importance so we thought to our doings a foreign visitor with whom i had a pleasant acquaintance running over some years was dr j p mahaffey of the university of dublin dr mahaffey had contributed a series of delightful articles to the required readings in the chautauquan gossip about greece and in the summer of eighteen eighty nine he came over for two or three courses of lectures at the assembly a distinguished figure he was and such a contrast in his tweeds his free movements his spirited wide-ranging talk to most of us my acquaintance grew out of our mutual interest in the flora of any spot where we happened to be one day as i came in from a botanizing expedition outside the grounds carrying stocks of the lovely field lilies common in the region dr mahaffey seized my arm you care for flowers and plants i thought american women had no interest in them a libel i quickly hooted in defence of my sisterhood i went diligently to work to show him our summer flora but he cared for nothing as much as our summer lilies begging me after the flowering was over to send him bulbs which i proudly did in exchange i received from his dublin garden seeds of a white poppy which he wrote me he had originally gathered in the shadow of the statue of memnon in egypt those poppies have always gone with me they flourished in my mother's garden in titusville now they flourish in my connecticut garden my life was busy varied unfolding pleasantly in many ways but it also after six years was increasingly unsatisfactory so unsatisfactory that i was secretly very secretly meditating a change i was scared by what the chautauquan seemed to be doing to the plan i had worked out for the development of my mind 
i had grown up with a stout determination to follow one course of study to the end to develop a specialty the work i was doing demanded a scattering of mind which i began to fear would unfit me for ever thinking anything through i realized that an editor of value must have made up his mind about more things than had i feel himself ready to fight for those things if necessary i had no program in which the chautauquan was interested moreover i did not want to be an editor but to break with the chautauquan meant sacrificing security i had always had a vision of myself settled somewhere in a secure corner simple not too large i never had wanted things i always had a dislike of impedimenta but i wanted something cheerful and warm and enduring there i could work over what interested me day in and day out with no alarm for my keep now the chautauquan was a secure berth so far as i could figure it would last through my time at least to give it up meant complete economic insecurity i probably should not have been willing to sacrifice what i think i had honestly earned if there had not been growing upon me a conviction of the sterility of security all about me were people who at least believed themselves materially secure they lived comfortably within their means they were busy keeping things as they were preserving what they had they were the most respectable people in town but secretly i was beginning to suspect their respectability one day listening to a fine elderly scotch presbyterian minister who had in his congregation a large group of these stable secure best citizens i was startled when he leaned over his pulpit and shaking his fist at us shouted you're dying of respectability was that what was happening to me i saw with increasing clearness that i could not go beyond a certain point on the chautauquan mentally socially spiritually if i remained it was to accept a variety of limitations and my whole nature was against the acceptance of limitations it was contrary to the nature of things as i saw them to be happy i must go on with fresh attempts fresh adventuring the thing that frightened me earlier in my youth came to the top now the thing that made me determine i would never marry because it meant giving up freedom was a trap it was clear enough that i was trapped comfortably most pleasantly most securely but trapped as time went on i realized that this security to which people so clung could not always be counted on they might think so but had i not seen beautiful homes sold under the hammer in titusville homes of those whom the town had looked on as impregnable financially in my years on the chautauquan in meadville i had been a shocked observer of one of the many dramatic political failures of the eighties the defeat of the republican candidate for governor of pennsylvania at a critical moment a meadville banker wallace delamater i was too much of a mugwump to sympathize with the republican platform but i liked wallace delamater i believed him as i think the records show to be a tool of a past master of machine politics matthew key taken up by key the resources of the delamater bank and of allied banks in meadville at the call of his party he made a campaign which was called brilliant there was no doubt of the result in meadville 
i went to bed early the night of the election expecting to be aroused by the ringing of bells the blowing of whistles for there was to be a celebration when i awakened with a start it was broad daylight had i slept through the celebration a sense of doom hung over me i dressed hurriedly went down to get the paper wallace delamater was defeated promptly the delamater bank closed and one after another four banks of the town followed there was a heavy run on the one remaining the one where i had my little deposit the panic in the town was desperate everything was going i don't think i have ever been more ashamed of anything in my life connected with money than i was when i took my bank-book and went to my bank to ask for my deposit it was all the money i had in the world times were bad but i have always continued to be a little ashamed that i yielded to the panic the more because my bank didn't fail no the security men flattered themselves they had achieved was never certain moreover my security was costing more in certain precious things than i was willing to pay take the matter of making something professionally sound useful justifiable out of myself which is the only one of these precious things that i am talking about i could do no more towards it where i was to begin with i at last knew what i wanted to do it was no longer to seek truth with a microscope my early absorption in rocks and plants had veered to as intense an interest in human beings i was feeling the same passion to understand men and women the same eagerness to collect and to classify information about them i find the proofs of this slow and unconscious change of allegiance in an accumulation of tattered notebooks tucked away for years forgotten and only brought out after i had set myself this curious task of tracing the road i have travelled through my eighty years trying to find out why i did this thing and not that getting acquainted with my own working life i seem to have begun to enter observations on human beings soon after i settled down to learn how to put a magazine together in an orderly fashion i applied the same method that i had used for so many years in collecting and classifying natural objects which excited my curiosity take leaves on which i was always keen i started out in high school to collect them from all the flora in my territory classifying them by shapes veins stalks color rarely do i take up a family book of those early years that there do not fall out from between the pages leaves of one thing or another that i had pressed to help me carry on my scheme of classification i suspect that i did not get much beyond a glib naming of parts something analogous happened when i recognized that men and women were as well worth notes as leaves that there was a science of society as well as of botany what had happened was undoubtedly that the tumults the challenges of my day had finally penetrated my aloofness and that i was feeling more and more the need of taking a part in them the decade i spent in poland and in the chautauquan had a background not so unlike that of the present decade at its beginning we were only fifteen years from a civil war which had left behind not only a vast devastated region with the problem of its reconstruction but the problem of a newly freed people it had left bitterness which in its intensity and endurance no war but a civil war ever leaves 
we had had our inflation a devastating boom followed by seven years of depression outbreaks of all the various forms of radical philosophy the world then knew youth talks glibly of communism to-day as if it had just appeared in the country but marxian communists transferred the headquarters of the international to new york city in the seventies more conspicuous than the communists were the anarchists every city in the united states had its little group preaching and every now and then practicing direct action indeed they were a factor in all the violent labor disturbances of the period in eighteen seventy nine prosperity had come back with a whoop and as she usually does after a long absence had quickly exhausted herself by fantastic economic excesses by the time i undertook to annotate the chautauqua literary and scientific circles readings the country had begun to suffer again from its wanton speculation and reckless overbuilding of railroads factories and mines and mills shut down and when work stopped disorder began particularly on the railroads of the southwest the awful massacre of chinese in wyoming more awful the haymarket riot in chicago followed as it was by the execution of four men all counsellors of violence to be sure but no one of them found guilty either of making or of throwing the bomb the eighties dripped with blood and men struggled to get at causes to find corrections to humanize and socialize the country for then as now there were those who dreamed of a good world although at times it seemed to them to be going mad the chautauquan interested itself in all of this turbulent and confused life indeed it rapidly became my particular editorial concern we noted and discussed practically every item of the social program which has been so steadily developing in the last fifty years the items which have crystallized into the square deal the new freedom the new deal the present argument for high wages we made in the eighties we called it the new economic coefficient in our industrial life it is the well-paid workman said the chautauquan who is a relatively large consumer we are built upon a foundation of which this well-paid workman is an important part as for hours and conditions we were ardent supporters of the eight-hour day organized labor's chief aim in the eighties and we were for contracts between labor and capital each being held responsible for his side of the bargain we were for education arbitration legislation the program of the knights of labor rather than the program of force which the growing american federation of labor was adopting we discussed interminably the growing problem of the slums were particularly strong for cooperative housing laundries and bake shops we supported the popular town and country club seeking to keep a healthy balance between the two we were advocates of temperance but shied at prohibition largely i think because it had become a political issue and we did not like to see our idealists going into politics as bellamy and henry george and the leaders of many causes were doing that is in the decade of the eighties we were discussing and thinking about the same fundamentals that we are to-day my realization of the stress of the period began at home titusville and all the oil region of pennsylvania were struggling to loosen the hold of the mighty monopoly which 
since its first attack on the business in eighteen seventy two had grown in power and extent until it owned and controlled over ninety per cent of the oil industry outside of the production of the raw crude the region was divided into two hostile camps the independent producers and refiners and the standard oil company their manoeuvres and strategy kept town and country in a constant state of excitement of suspicion of hope and of despair there was a steady weakening of independent ranks both by the men worn out or ruined by the struggle and those who saw peace and security for themselves only in settling and gave up the fight in those days i looked with more contempt on the man who had gone over to the standard than on the one who had been in jail i felt pity for the latter man but none for the deserters from the ranks of the fighting independence those were the days when the freeing of transportation the privilege which had more to do with the making of the monopoly than anything else more even than the great ability of its management was the aim of all reformers for years the independents had worked for an interstate commerce law which would make rate discrimination a crime to me such a law had come to have a kind of sanctity it was the new freedom and when it was passed in eighteen eighty seven i felt an uplift such as nothing in public life unless i accept mr cleveland's tariff message of the year before had ever given me but it was not the economic feature of the struggle in the oil region which deeply disturbed or interested me it was what it was doing to the people themselves to the people i knew to my father and mother and their friends it was the divided town the suspicion and greed and bitterness and defeats and surrenders here was a product meant to be a blessing to men so i believed and it was proving to be a curse to the very ones who had discovered it developed it i began to fill pages with notes of things seen and heard and finally i decided i should write a novel about it very secretly indeed i went at it assembling a cast outlining a plot writing two or three chapters poor stuff luckily i soon found out i was beyond my depth and gave it up from my notebooks i judged that i abandoned my novel the more readily because i had conceived what i called a more fundamental research this was nothing less than a science of society to be illustrated by my own observations on men and women looking it over now i see that the framework came from reading the voluminous discussions of the nature of society then flooding the public i took my framework where i found it but i filled it in with observations gathered on all sides of people i knew heard about particularly read about in the newspaper but this ambitious work soon met the same fate as the novel it broke off at the end of the third chapter because i had concluded i could not construct society as it was until i knew more about woman i suspected she had played a larger part in shaping society than she realized or perhaps was willing to admit i was questioning the argument that this is entirely a man-made world i had found too many woman-made parts in it to accept the characterization at its face value my science of society would not be honest i concluded if the only part woman was allowed to play in it was that of doormat toy and tool 
i was troubled too by the argument that women must be given suffrage if society was to be improved man had made a mess of the world i was told woman must take his tools and straighten things up i did not feel the confidence of my courageous friends why should we expect them to do better with the vote than men have done i asked because they are women i was told but they were human beings like men and they were human beings with no experience of the tools they wanted to use and i had enough sense of the past to believe that experience counted and that it would be wise for all men and women to consult it when they tried new ventures there had been women in public life in the past what had they done i had to satisfy myself before i went further with my science of society or joined the suffragists it was humiliating not to be able to make up my mind quickly about the matter as most of the women i knew did what was the matter with me i asked myself that i could not be quickly sure why must i persist in the slow tiresome practice of knowing more about things before i had an opinion suppose everybody did that what chance for intuition vision emotion action my notebooks show that i began my plodding by making out a list of women who seemed to offer food for reflection the group that excited me most were the women of the french revolution i made little studies of several wrote little pieces about them and these little pieces i submitted to the editor of the chautauquan he published several of them a study of madame de stal of marie antoinette of madame roland but soon i became heartily ashamed of my sketches written as they were from so meagre an equipment i felt this particularly about madame roland i made up my mind that i was going to know more about this woman that she probably would teach me what sort of contribution might be expected from a woman in public life that meant research how was i to carry it on whatever studying i did depended on my ability to support myself while doing it whatever studying i did while on the chautauquan must be turned into something available for the magazine my time and strength belonged to it obviously i could not do sufficient research and continue my position it was as impossible as it had been to act as the preceptress of the poland union seminary and at the same time carry on my study with the microscope where was i to carry on this research there was but one place paris and how was i to finance myself in paris a strange country and a strange tongue long enough to write a book i did not consider the possibility of getting a regular job i did not want one i wanted freedom and i had an idea that there was no freedom in belonging to things no freedom in security it took time to convince myself that i dared go on my own but finally i succeeded coming to a decision has a loosening tonic effect on a mind which has been floundering in uncertainty liberated it rushes gaily hopefully to the charting of a new course i had no sooner resolved to strike out on my own than my mind was bubbling with plans i forgot that i was thirty-three years old and according to the code of my time and my society too old for new ventures i forgot that outside of my very limited experience on the chautauquan i knew nothing of the writing and publishing world had literally no acquaintance among editors 
i forgot that i was afraid of people believed them all so much greater and more important than they often turned out to be that it cost me nervous chills to venture with a request into a stranger's presence dismissing all these real handicaps i plunged gaily into planning for a career in journalism self-directed freelance journalism surely i could find subjects enough in paris to write about subjects that would interest american newspapers we were in the thick of a great agitation over the condition and the conduct of american cities the chautauquan had touched it occasionally how did paris keep house i planned a syndicate of my own which would answer all questions out of my newspaper work might not articles grow for magazines i thought so and books beginning of course with my study of madame roland so long as i told nobody about my plans they worked beautifully carried me upward and onward into a new and happier more profitable more satisfying world but when i announced my decision laid out what i proposed to do all the glow and confidence went out of me all the weaknesses in my venture came again to the top there were friends who said none too politely remember you are past thirty women don't make new places for themselves after thirty there were friends who resented my decision as a reflection on themselves a woman whose friendship i valued said bluntly you are one of us aren't we good enough for you my act was treason in her eyes the whole force of the respectable circles to which i belonged that respectable circle which knew as i did not the value of security won the slender chance of replacing it if lost or abandoned was against me and so out of friendliness when i told my editor-in-chief i was leaving going to paris to study he was shocked how will you support yourself he asked really anxious knowing that i must depend on my own efforts by writing i said you're not a writer he said you'll starve he had touched the weakest point in my venture i was not a writer and i knew it i knew i should never be one in the high sense which i then and still more now give to that word i had neither the endowment nor the passion nor the ambition to be a writer i was rather a student wanting to understand things quite regardless of how i could use that understanding if i reached it there was much selfishness in my wanting to know for the sake of knowing much of a dead scholar in me and that dead scholar has always hung more or less a weight about my neck but if i was not a writer i had certain qualifications for the practice of the modest kind of journalism on which i had decided i counted no little on my habit of planning in advance what i was going to do and i had a strong conviction that a plan of my own was worth more than any plan which was made for me again if i could not write i did have a certain sense of what mattered in a subject and a strong conviction that it was my sense of what mattered and not somebody else's that would give my work freshness and strength if it was to have any then there was my habit of steady painstaking work that ought to count for something and perhaps i could learn to write if i were to do so could i do better than soak myself in french prose i had read french steadily from my school days i had done not a little translating of articles from the big reviews for the chautauquan if i could live with the language 
might i not master something of what seemed to me its essential qualities those which gave it both body and charm these qualities were the soundness of structure the way it held together and the beautiful clarity of expression at least i could try for them but when i tried to explain all this to my critical friends they continued frankly sceptical indignant it was my father and mother who backed me up though i think they were both puzzled and fearful i don't know what you can do ida my father said that's for you but if you think you can do it try it but in the end it took all the grit i had to go ahead breaking up established relations is not easy you begin by pulling up deeply rooted things rooted in your heart you abandon once cherished purposes when i left the chautauquan i was no longer the eager and confident young woman who ten years before had started out for herself in poland ohio i was ten years older and i was keenly conscious that i had in those ten years accumulated a fairly complete collection of shattered idols that i could forget them as quickly and as completely as i did i owe to the paris of the nineties i had scarcely passed her gates before i had fallen under her spell at once i was experiencing all the amazing rejuvenation that comes from falling in love whatever the object it was not to be see paris and die as more than one friend had jeered i knew with certainty it was to be see paris and live end of chapter five